Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? It is Tuesday. Week three is in the books. We had uh, not a good game last night. <laughs> not, not a good game. Not at all what we were expecting. Uh, but me and Matt are here today. We're going to recap recap that Monday night. <sighs> I cannot talk again today. We are going to recap the Monday night football game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. Go over some of your waiver wire tar- tar- My God, waiver wire targets. I'm going to slow down. And then we're going to call it a day. Should be a nice, easy episode. We got some playoff baseball rolling right now. It's what I have going on in the background. I'm excited to, to catch up on all the games today. How are you doing today, Matt? Well, just uh, bracing for the Brett Rippon era, which uh, starts on yeah. Thursday and for uh, the forthcoming three-hour show, since you said it was uh, going to be nice and light. Yeah, you know, I don't know. To, yeah, that's probably a bad thing. No, Dennis isn't here. We should be good. We, you know, we'll be able to get out of here pretty quickly, I would think. Uh, I guess before we get into the Monday Night Football game, we should probably talk about the uh, news that's just like blowing up Twitter right now with the with the COVID testing. So three players I know from what I saw earlier, I believe it was three players for the Titans tested positive and two coaches, correct? It was five. Five, five coaches. Five coaches. Yeah. Eight personnel. Gotcha. For Titans, but no one as of earlier had tested positive for Minnesota. Tennessee uh, then decided they're going to shut down, or the NFL told them they're going to shut everything down until Saturday, which is uh, interesting to say the least. But said they're still playing the game. Yeah. And the news that just came across as we were getting ready to record here was that uh, Tennessee has put three players on COVID, uh, the COVID IR. So uh, I'm assuming all three of those guys that unfortunately tested positive are going on the IR. Still nothing as of mm-hmm. right now for Minnesota about players testing positive, but a lot of the medical people have been pointing out that due to this kind of happening so late yesterday, we could not see any positive test pop up really till tomorrow. So don't hold your breath, I guess on the Minnesota side, but uh, interesting, I guess. I mean, we've, we've kind of seen this already happen on the college side, baseball, basketball, a little bit different just due to, I don't want to say basketball. You're still, fairly physical and touching in nature with the way you're going to hit on guys and everything. That sounded bad. When you hit up against guys going up into the basket and everything, baseball, you really do. There's not as much touching in baseball to other people. 
uh, basketball, if you caught it, which they did the bubble scenario anyway. So I think after really those first baseball, weeks, gonna... baseball may not have as much physical contact, but they sure as heck had the biggest problems. But well, I mean, you look, at, you look at that, you know, there was a lot of talk that the, you know, with the Marlins, the Cardinals ever be able to finish the season. I, at least one of them is in the playoffs. I think they were both Marlins. I think actually both are Marlins actually, and I Cardinals. Think the Cardinals yeah. are in. They so, are, yes. You know, they finished, they figured out how to play their 60 games. They figured out how to get it going. NFL doesn't want to move either game, but, you know, if they end up having to, they said one of them could shift to Monday night and it'll just end up with a Monday night doubleheader. Um, so we'll have to see how it goes. It, it was, if you thought we were never going to have this situation during yeah. the NFL season, you were fooling yourself because we were not going to go the whole season and not have some kind of an impact. It seems like they're doing the right thing, trying to shut down kind of the organization facilities, keep everyone isolated till they can figure out who has what, uh, you know, and then look to, to bring it back in, just to add it to another of what's been kind of a strange season. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, I think is playing, um, so two really Pittsburgh. fascinating games because yeah. they're playing Pittsburgh, which are two really good teams. Uh, they're both three and O could have playoff inf- implications on the other side. The Vikings get to play the Texans two own three teams that just need a spark of joy. Um, so we'll have to see. I would think if the, all the Vikings come back clean, they'll probably open up again midweek. A lot of times these teams that played on Sunday that are going to play on another Sunday don't actually start practices until Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. So they're kind of in what would be an off day anyway. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's it's fair to say, as much as I hate to say this, if them is them not practicing two days going to hurt them that much? I mean, we know that they're not doing a lot of full, fully padded practices right now. It's mostly walkthroughs. So you're not – it's obviously going to hurt them some in the game. I, I honestly think if they're not going to open it up until Saturday, they should just push the game to Monday night if they already know that they're going to not allow Tennessee to open until Saturday. If that's something where – you know, whether it's no more tests come back positive or anything, it just ends up being they can't open up until Saturday. They should still push the game till Monday night just to give Tennessee a chance to kind of get some game plan stuff. And obviously, they did the social distancing, distancing stuff through the offseason with everything going on. You, you can still do stuff, but still being able to go through walkthroughs and everything is going to be huge, especially when, as you mentioned, they are going up against a good team in Pittsburgh who is going to be able to at least do walkthroughs and everything all week long planning for you. So I agree. It's something we kind of expected was going to happen. Um, you know, not it's not something you at can least- just assume was not going to happen at all season. At least the game is at Tennessee. That's what I just looked up. Yeah. So they wouldn't have to travel. I would think if there's a shutdown, I believe the Vikings are on the road. That would be kind of a bigger deal to me. I don't actually see them. On, yeah, the Vikings are on the road. So I would think that would be a little bit more of a challenge if you can't get together and stuff, because then when you finally do come together, it's for travel. Yeah. So it's interesting. We obviously don't know who the players are right now. We likely won't know. If there are anybody fantasy relevant, you won't probably know until Sunday or Monday when the game is because that's when you'll find out they're not playing. They don't have to release that to us, nor do I think they should have to. That's, you know, well, I think the players that went on COVID IR are the players that tested positive. Yeah. Did they list the players though? I don't, I don't think. Did. Oh, did they? they list, I didn't see. They listed the names. They were all reserve defenders. Gotcha. So, oh, yeah. I didn't see the list. I was kind oh. of. 
paying attention. All I saw was that three the the three players and the five coaches. I didn't see any actual names get attached to it. So that's why I was like, I don't know if that's really going to be that big of an issue. So it's something to watch and monitor. I mean, I, I'm in um, a Discord for another group, and there's a bunch of people in there like, all right, here we go. NFL is going to shut down. They're not shutting down, people. Stop. Stop it. College didn't shut down basketball. As you mentioned, baseball had it much worse. Although, again, what I was going to say is baseball did that to themselves, though, by the uh, Miami Marlins players all going out to a strip club the night before. And then St. Louis, same thing. They all went out to a uh, party at a bar. And that's what started all of them getting sick. So they did that to themselves, where it doesn't sound like that was the issue here. It just, just kind of happened due to them interacting with certain people. So you had to expect it to happen. Luckily, I mean, I don't want to say this luckily because people obviously got COVID. Fantasy-wise, it sounds like it's not going to be anybody you have to worry about pulling out of your lineup. We'll obviously keep you updated with that. But as of now, nothing to freak out about because we don't know for sure what is going to happen. It looks like, though, for sure, Minnesota, Houston is on for good, and Tennessee, so, at worst, will be moved to Monday. They, they listed the Tennessee Titans, three players, starting nose tackle, Daquan Jones, long snapper, Bo Brinkley, and reserve tight end, Tommy Hudson. Sounds like guys on the either uh, field goal so, team or special teams. Well, so uh, it turns out that there they had a linebacker, Bowen, who Stephen Bowen, who had been put on um, – COVID IR just prior to this game. So not sure if now they're seeing positive tests that, you know, was in that position group, but special teams would definitely um, be a thought there. You know, if you have a reserve tight end reserve linebacker, the long snapper, those would be guys that would be on the special teams unit in this card. So it's not great, but you know, you didn't see Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill on there. Um, So, you know, you have to see, Impact again. I get you're probably right. Like tomorrow, Wednesday is where I'd be watching for tests because if they have a bigger problem, it's going to start to seep out then. Yeah, yeah. If like if if we end up sitting here on Thursday show talking about how 15 Vikings and 20 Tennessee, then there's going to be an issue. Then at that point, I would think games are going to be postponed. They're not going to be canceled. Games will be postponed. They will be. I think if you get into the double digits, you're talking that they, they definitely will postpone just for yeah. competitive balance. You know, the NFL wants competitive balance the same way baseball does. Yeah, and they'll exactly. figure out how to squeeze it in. Um, you know, it's more of an interesting question. So, you know, baseball, they were playing almost every day, and their solution was to do some double headers. Double header, not really a viable option for the NFL. What yeah. we haven't really ever gotten from the league beyond pushing a game to a Monday or a Tuesday uh, which is something we've seen in the past when there have been weather issues or stadium issues, is what what would you do? You know, we can look, but if those two teams don't have a common bye week, you can't. Yeah. You know, we had that one time. There was two teams that were supposed to play in Florida that had a common yep. bye week, and it just, you know, their bye ended up being week one. I think it was Miami and Tampa Bay or Tampa yes, Bay and Carolina, was. something like that. Because of the hurricane, they their bye ended up being week one, and they got pushed back. There aren't, you know, with the structure of football, it becomes more of a question of how you make that game up. And again, you know, maybe not so much Minnesota and Houston unless they have a dramatic turnaround, but you would think Titans-Steelers could have a major impact on potential playoff seeding. 
Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could think of, and again, I don't know how easy this would be, is to, if it becomes so bad, you're going to have to make the, those four teams their bye week this week and figure out a way to change the schedule somewhere on the back end. But again, I don't know how you're likely, if that happens, you're talking about massive changes to the schedule and, and it all coming quickly. So we're obviously hoping that doesn't happen. But again, I don't, this is not something where the game is going to be canceled. There's just no way. You know, I, I, I hate to say it this way because I know it sounds bad, but the NFL is too full of themselves and has too much of an ego to watch all these other uh, sporting franchises, teams, everything, all these other sports go through their seasons with no issues. I mean, again, baseball had their issues. They never canceled any games, though. They just postponed them, and they made them all back up. No way is NFL going to sit back and let that happen. Same thing with college. Yeah, college they have to have considered it. I mean, the NFL yeah. has to have considered what would happen? They've already obviously we saw this year. They already moved to expand the practice squad to to change the IR rules to make it much easier to travel your own players up. So I would say there's probably a certain threshold at which they say a team has suffered too much to be considered competitively viable. Yeah. All right. Enough of that. Let's move on. Monday Night Football, which ended up turning out not really to be a game. Speaking of not competitively viable. Yeah, I mean, wow. How about Lamar hell? Jackson? Wow. Hey, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. I liked it. I, for two reasons. So, One, so did um, my wife. My oh, yeah. Not two full picks ahead. She asked a lot of questions this morning. So what is Chiefs one? I picked the Chiefs, right? Yeah. So <laughs> where are we in standings? Tied? I have a one-point lead. You have a two-pick lead. That's what I thought. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, I'm going to say, like I said, I, anytime the Ratbirds lose, I'm a happy man. And on top of that, even though I believe it was still kind of close at the end of halftime, like the Chiefs looked by far and away the best team, I and just went to sleep. I was like, you know what? Yeah. It's an early night for me. There's no point staying up anymore, so I went to sleep. I uh, yeah. bailed out near the end of the third quarter, too, because it was 27 to 10. And, you know, aside from that, kickoff return for a touchdown, which really has yeah. nothing to do with the offense. The Ravens just weren't able to make any headway. And Patrick Mahomes probably spent all weekend reading about Josh Allen and Russell Wilson. So hold my beer. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I will say is thanks a lot, Baltimore, because I just needed Patrick Mahomes to score less than 40 points so I could win my matchup. And that didn't happen. So thanks <laughs> for that. I really appreciate it. It felt kind of safe. And like my one main dynasty league, I was like, you know what? 48 point I had like a 48 point lead and he had Mahomes and Tucker and I was like all right it's gonna be close but I feel like I'm probably gonna win it and then by like the time the second quarter started I looked at my score and he had already jumped up to like 135 I was like yeah it's it's over with never mind and I really can go to bed because I ain't got to worry about nothing here but Mahomes huge day uh what was it? 385 through the air, four touchdowns in the air, and one on the ground. He gets you 40 points in fantasy. Comes in as QB1. CEH, while he doesn't do a lot on the ground, just 64 yards, does get you 70 yards on five catches to come in his running back 12 with 18 points. Tyree Kill, wide receiver 12 with 21 points, 77 yards on five catches and a touchdown. And, of course, like everybody proje uh, projected, Miko Hardman to have a big game here. 81 yards, four catches, and a touchdown as well. Coming with 18 points, Travis Kelsey. 14 points coming in as tied in five with 87 yards on six catches. So Kansas City, 
I'm, we talked about it a little bit on Friday with Dennis. You know, we had some of these guys a little bit lower ranked, expecting it to be a good game. And the fact that Baltimore's defense was good, yet we knew you're starting everybody. And when I say you're starting everybody, Mahomes, Hill, CEH, Kelsey, those guys are in your lineups every single week. Hardman, this is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Hardman, so this is his second good game. He had a good game back in week one. Now here, I think the most promising thing I'm taking out of this Hardman. Watkins had a big game in week He one. did. Hardman got – what did he – I know he got a touchdown. I swore he got a touchdown. I know Watkins was the, the lead receiver. Did Hardman not do anything? Maybe I'm no, wrong. I, I thought he I, I thought he had I, a good week. It was Marcus too. Robinson that had a good week one. Well, he dropped a pass in week one. I was trying to pull it up. But oh, yeah. Still, I was worried about uh, Nicole Hardman. Oh, no. Actually, yeah, I, you're right. He got six yards. One pass for six yards. My bad. Yeah. He yeah. had 30 yards last week, but nothing to write home about. But what I was going to say with Hardman is the amount of time that he's been out there, I think you should, if you own Hardman in a dynasty league, you're looking forward to next year because once Sammy Watkins is gone, I really think Hardman is going to get more involved in this offense, but I just, I don't think you can expect a lot out of him this year. I I still think it's going to be mostly Hill and Watkins and Kelsey are going to be the guys and Hardman's going to have these games. Like that one was just from what I remember seeing almost looked like a busting coverage. Like he just got deep and Mahomes shouldn't have completed that pass to begin with. Throwing it off of his back foot, like not at all, is bullshit. I hate Patrick Mahomes because he's so damn good. But uh, yeah, for me, Hardman, I'm not using him much this year unless Till or Watkins gets hurt. But I do think possibly starting 2021, Hardman could be an interesting piece to start using every single week. I mean, my concern is it seemed like a lot of the talk last year was as soon as Demarcus Robinson is gone, you know, look then it'll open up some more for Hardman. And in the offseason, they went and signed Demarcus Robinson to a one-year deal again, and then you see him on the field more than Hardman. There's something seems like just maybe is not clicking. I don't know. Yeah, we talk all the time about a third-year breakout. Next year would be a third year, so it's it's possible it's just taking him a little bit longer to develop. But you're right. His touchdown is a 49-yard strike. Aside from that, he catches like – three for 20-something yards, it's not incredibly reliable. Yeah. Yeah, he's always going to be third, fourth fiddle. I guess you could say oops, at least third because say assuming Sammy and Demarcus Robinson are gone next year and he becomes that two, it's still going to be Hill, Kelsey, and CEH first. Yeah. So he's going to be fourth. I'm sorry. Yeah. So he's always going to be the fourth fiddle. So, But with this offense being as explosive as it is, it, it's almost like – he Deshaun Jackson S, right? Like Deshaun Jackson, even though he was the one on his team at times, you knew all it took is that one play for him to make your fantasy day. So he's always going to be that best ball guy. But yeah. I mean, on that offense, as a wide receiver four or three, you might not. I mean, he might be the best option you have some weeks. With the Chiefs, it seems like, you know, Hill, Kelsey, and then whoever their primary running back are the guys. And then there's always somebody else that potentially pops up when you have these higher scoring games. Um, you know, we've seen it be Watkins. We've seen it be Robinson. We've seen it be Hardman. We've seen it be a backup tight end. We didn't know they were rostering. We've seen it be a fourth string running back. You didn't see happen. That's, that's the concern for me outside of the three kind of dominant positions, unless you had an injury to Hill or an injury that knocks somebody out, 
even if Watkins and Robinson were gone, I don't know you could feel guaranteed that Hardman was going to be the guy. I need to see something consistent. We have not seen anything approaching consistency. We've seen a few flashes, and actually it almost reminds me more of Corey Davis, where you know, through now four years prior to this, you've seen occasional games where he just goes out there and catches a bunch, and you're like, hey, we thought he was going to be a stud. He's, he should be good, but then – you go to start him and you get 2.1 points. Yeah. Someone's going to have to start Hardman as we get into COVID and bipocalypse. I mean, there's one of the bye weeks in the middle of the season. Eight teams are on a bye with the injury situation now. I can't even imagine what the lineups are going to be setting ranking. You know, I might need stiff drink before we have to go to 60 deep at wide receiver week eight. Uh, on Baltimore's side here, I mean, they're, they're definitely the more interesting team to talk about at the moment. And a lot of people have been pointing out today, and I do think it's a fair thing to say. seems like once a team gets up on Baltimore, they struggle to keep up offensively. We did see this last year. I talked about it in the offseason. Uh, when the Browns did this to them last year, it, even though Lamar ended up with good passing numbers throughout the game, he did not look good passing the ball or throwing the ball. He really kind of got a lot of garbage time against the Browns. Saw the same thing in the playoffs against Tennessee and obviously every time so far against Kansas City, which Lamar has come out and admitted uh, that they just seem to be their kryptonite. And again, I'm not trying to say Lamar Jackson is bad. Please do not take it that way. He's still top five quarterbacks at worst. I've had him at five. I feel like I'm just proving my points a little bit now that he's a top five quarterback, but uh, he's still uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It is just one of those games because I'm also going to say as much as is that maybe true teams getting up on Baltimore that he may not be able to keep up. I don't think that's going to happen that often. So I feel like it's going to be kind of hard to keep that, keep that going. But Lamar, 97 yards and one touchdown in the air. He does get 83 yards on the ground, comes in with 14 points in this one just uh, comes in as QB 23 outside of that I mean what the hell I mean as someone who owns Ingram in the Scott Fishbowl League thinking hey it's going to be a decent RB2 for me all season long I don't even know what I'm doing anymore three points in this one running back 61 JK Dobbins comes in at RB 36 with eight points Devin Duvernay gets uh, 8.7 points, comes in as wide receiver 49. That's not even counting the kickoff return touchdown if you have those big play bonuses and everything like uh, Scott Fishman does. Had to, Duvernay had to have made his points off because he only had two catches for seven yards. Uh, okay, so I did. I just pulled this off Fantasy Pros a couple minutes ago, so maybe yeah, that is. Maybe I did. Okay. Like I said, I didn't. I honestly didn't. So that would yeah. be his six points. I, was, I just I don't watch I didn't watch the whole second half so I didn't know if he did something so that's why I was pulling that up uh, but Marquise Brown wide receiver ninety four with three point three points and then Mark Andrews tight end thirty two with five point two points so, so go ahead it was interesting last night they were talking about the kind of great quarterback matchups they've had on on Monday Night Football and they got to kind of the last one before they transitioned into Mahomes and Jackson, how excited they were going to be to see them for the next, you know, potentially 10, 12 years. And it was Brady and Manning. And I thought it was very interesting. Brian Gracie himself, a quarterback pointed out, you know, that's, it's only going to be this great rivalry if Jackson is able to start stepping up and equaling the task. And it, it reminded me a little bit that they're obviously radically different play styles on the field, but he reminds me a little bit of where we were, early in the career in Peyton Manning where, you know, 
he puts up some great numbers. He's incredibly hard to defend. He has good teams, but sometimes in some of these big games, you just quite can't quite figure it out. Can't quite. And it took him a couple of years to get past New England, to get past kind of the hump in big playoff games, to get past some of these big marquee matchups and to start delivering. And, you know, Jackson's only in the third game of his third season, his second full year starting. And, but it does certainly seem like as Jackson goes, so goes the Baltimore offense. Like last week, they put up a lot of points, but it was thanks to defense, a couple of big plays. You didn't see big numbers for the stars week one. They were putting up a lot of points on offense. You saw it raises all the ships. It's hard for the passing pieces to get going when, uh, you know, he had 83 on the ground, which is how he kind of gets to 14 points, but only 97 yards passing. And of course his touchdown in garbage time comes to Nick Boyle. He's probably not the guy that you're starting. If you had parking entries, you're just, you know, you turn off the TV and cry into your pillow a little bit. Uh, but that's where I think the next evolution for Jackson, we've seen he can do some amazing and incredible things, but can you step up and take over this kind of a game or be equal? That's one thing I'll say that we have seen uh, this couple weeks for Josh Allen. That's been the most mm-hmm. impressive is his team, you know, on Sunday, the refs made a call that's very questionable. The Rams have a very good team. They went up on him. He didn't give up. He came right back and continued going. Jackson, in a couple of these times when they've really been challenged, you referenced the Brown game. I thought of the Tennessee playoff game where it didn't start the way they expected or last night where, you know, they couldn't get a couple of things going and then it just seems like they couldn't come back from that. That's something I think he he needs to learn and hopefully will learn if Baltimore wants to keep being competitive. I know you don't want them to be competitive. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't mind them being competitive. I mean, obviously, it's not something. I, when I first did that, that draft class was the very first time I ever started actually writing, studying players, and, and ranking them. And it's funny as you go back and look at it. I had Baker one, Darnold two, and then I had Allen three, Lamar four, Rosen five. As I've, I've talked about with you guys before, I, I just never believed in Josh Rosen. Still don't. And I said in the article that I put out, I want to say it was Dynasty Guru is who I was writing for at that time. I said that I thought Allen and Lamar had the most upside of these two. If those two can ever get down passing, they're going to be unstoppable. I don't want Lamar to suck. I just get a little frustrated. Maybe some of it is the Browns' homerism in me. I get a little frustrated sometimes when everybody talks about it, like he's the best quarterback we've ever seen. I'm like, pump the brakes. He's not... In my opinion, again, I did not watch the full game, so maybe things got better. But in the parts of the game that I watched, he missed some wide open wide receivers Mm -hmm. multiple times. He missed Marquise Hollywood-Brown on two would-have-been touchdown passes. That's my point. Mahomes doesn't miss that. Tom Brady doesn't miss that. Drew Brees doesn't miss that. Aaron Rodgers doesn't miss that. Now, I get that those are the best quarterbacks in the league right now, but that's who you guys keep putting Lamar with. That's been my biggest issue is that Lamar has improved. He is definitely 10 times better than what he was when he started those five or six games there uh, in the first season. And even he's already, I would assume, even better than what we saw out of him last year. But he's still not quite the passer. I would think even he or the Ravens want him to be at this point. That's been my only argument against Lamar. Mm -hmm. Where you, We talked about yesterday, Allen has 
whether it's just the way the offense is or the players that they brought in, he's completing 70% of his passes yeah. now. So he's and he's slowly increased every single year his accuracy. I feel like Lamar, we haven't we've seen it, but it hasn't been quite to the steps that Allen has produced. That's always been my biggest issue. That's why I talked about this year. I had Lamar at five because I do think while he's not easy to stop because nobody is as fast as him, he's extremely shifty for a quarterback. I mean, that I think it was like the first or second play of the drive where he ran the ball for what was it, like 40 yards? 30 yards, yeah. Thir- I mean, like, Vic is the last quarterback we've seen to be able to do that. I think Lamar but is faster and shiftier than Vic. Like Michael Vic, now that you're in the second full season, defenses are figuring out how That was to my point. That's what I was going to go to. That. You can't keep that going forever. Yeah. And so that's what worries me is that we see, again, I, I see a lot of Baltimore games because I'm watching. I always like to see what my rivals are doing and, and and everything. And Lamar, I think he does get the benefit a lot like Mahomes does as well, where he starts moving around in the pocket, starts shifting outside, and defenders immediately start crashing down on him because they don't want him to get that big play, and it leaves a defender open. Well, the Chiefs didn't do that last night. The Chiefs didn't do that last year, and I think that's the biggest thing the Titans didn't do is and I remember this because I remember I watched the game with a bunch of friends and I kept talking about I love how disciplined Tennessee stayed when it came to Lamar looking like he was going to run. They had defenders that knew it was their job to come after him. You didn't see the cornerbacks all of a sudden bailing off their wide receiver targets or anybody else. They stayed with their man knowing that if they pulled off, they gave Lamar Jackson the easy completion 30, 40 yards down the field. And that's what we saw with Kansas City. It seemed like at times, like, you know what? That's fine. You want to run for 30 yards? You run for 30 yards. You're not beating us with your arm. We're not going to let you get in the end zone because now the field is smaller. It's constricted. You're not going to have that room to run around like you had earlier. And that's how you beat those guys. And honestly, that's how the Browns were able to get to them last year in week four because Miles Garrett and those guys, they didn't let Lamar go up the field on the outsides. They kept him contained. He had to go right up the middle, right into the teeth of that defense. The guys didn't bail off their receivers. So, that's where I was going, and I agree with you. I think defenses now, they've had a full year and a half of tape now to watch on Lamar. You cannot – I understand he's amazing. Defensive coordinators are smart enough to figure out ways to maybe not stop you, but slow you down. And at this point, it seems like if they can figure out a way to slow down Lamar, it puts them almost in like this panic passing mode that I don't think Lamar can bring your team back from. That's that's what worries me a little bit. I still expect them to be a best the one of the best teams in the league. They're going to win the AFC North. Lamar Jackson's going to be fine in the NFL and fantasy, but they're going to have to figure out ways to kind of combat the curves that defenses are now going to throw at them. Uh, what are you? Are I guess are you worried? All right, I, I would imagine you are worried. I don't know if you own Mark Ingram anywhere. How worried are you with Mark Ingram right now? With I mean, this is three games in a row. He is not because I, I even though he put up points in that second game, we talked about it. It was all came off that one big run he got toward the end of the game. He, he has not been that good this year. Yeah, they. So I would say a big concern is they're now mixing in three running backs basically because we saw Gus Edwards come in early and be in there a lot. We saw uh, Dobbins be in and be in there a lot. They're also using, uh, you know, and when they're not incredibly high volume or if they get a lead too quickly and end up in garbage time, he's not viable. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, I noticed they were using end arounds to Devin DuVernay. Um, You know, they got behind, so they had to throw more. That's not really – 
his game. Jackson doesn't seem to use the running backs as pass catchers a whole ton. So I, I definitely think it's a concern. Really, to be honest, we thought running back for the Baltimore Ravens, any one of the three or maybe all three would have some good value this season. We haven't exactly seen it materialize. Dobbins had an incredible week one because of a couple of big touchdowns, but we haven't really seen that replicate on a consistent basis in the two weeks following. Edwards has, has you know, steadily plugged away. I just don't think there's, you know, they they don't seem to have the same running game that they had last year. So it's definitely a concern, especially in a landscape where we've had a lot of injuries that have taken a bite out of people. They aren't suffering the injuries. It's just not super efficient. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I talked about I have them in, in Scott Fishbowl. There's kind of nothing I can do at this point about it because uh, Edwards and Dobbins are both owned. It's one of those things where – if you're in a situation like I am, you just kind of have to ride with them and, and it is what it is. But I, I'm my only hope is that it's just early in the season. You know, we've talked about this is still kind of in a way preseason for some of these NFL teams. Maybe they're going to start getting him more and more involved. But the fact that they've been using Dobbins as much as they have does worry me a little bit. I'm not as worried about Gus Edwards because we did see games last year even where Gus Edwards kind of came in and took a little bit of a, a run away from Mark Ingram. But the fact that they've moved to using Dobbins as well and moving and using that three-back system like you talked about, yeah, that's as someone who has Mark Ingram you can't even move him. It's not like he's had a couple good games either where you can start worrying about it. So yeah, it's, it's bad. As for the wide receivers, I, I was, I was Andrews first, whatever, throwaway game. I know this has been two weeks in a row that he hasn't had a good game, but Andrews is going to be fine for me. And I do think with Hollywood Brown, I mean, it's just kind of what you have to expect from him though. It goes a lot into the Miko Hardman thing and really Tyree kill the, you know, we didn't talk about Hill, but Tyree kill as well. You just have the, – they're just those guys that they're not going to get a lot of volume. They're big play wide receivers. And so when they don't get the big play, they're going to hurt you. So uh, I don't know if this will make you happy or not, but I just looked. And uh, in ESPN standard PPR scoring, Lamar is now QB 12. It does and it doesn't because he's definitely not going to stay there. But I think he has an even better chance of finishing at five, like I told you guys. And, again, I've, I've, I saved the receipts. I've made clips of you and Dennis laughing at me and calling me an idiot and shaming me live on the podcast just just for when it happens so I can make sure we can just play it on repeat over and over again. Didn't realize I just muted myself. So any, do you have any thoughts on uh, anything with the Ravens there? You want to move on to the waiver wire targets? No, nah, I mean, if you only throw up for 97 yards, hard for the passers to have a good day. All right, so waiver wires, I mean, it's it's pretty desperate out there at the moment. There's really not a lot that we can talk about. We'll start with the QBs here. Uh, the biggest ones that I've seen uh, available, just getting your thoughts on this. I try to go less than 50% because there's probably a good chance that these guys might be available. There is one name that's available in a couple of mine. Uh, and that's Wentz at 78%. I bring him up because he does have some big play potential. 
but obviously he's not looked that great this year. You got Baker Mayfield, who is sitting at 43%, Teddy Bridgewater at 17, Derek Carr at 19, Nick Foles at three, and of course, your quarterback of the Denver Broncos, Brett Rippon, who is 0% owned at the moment. If you had to take a shot on any of these guys this week, say you need a quarterback, whether it's, you know, Injury, bad play. Would you, who who would you take, and in what order would you rank these guys? I'm curious uh, what percentage you're seeing for Goff because our uh, friend Goff. Nick at the Fantasy Life App blog and his uh, streaming QBs, he does a compilation of ESPN, Yahoo, NFL Fantasy, and a couple others. And Goff was his top streaming QB, and I know I saw Field Yates hit him as a top waiver wire pickup. He's actually QB nine. Uh, he's available or he is rostered in 64% of leagues according to this. So he's a little bit above the Mm. threshold. So, I mean, he's, he is available. I would assume, I mean, obviously close to almost half leagues right there. So I guess it depends on what platform you're on because he's much less than 50% across ESPN, I guess. Interesting. Okay. So I'm, I'm wondering. See, what makes it hard when you and I are looking at waivers is we're probably looking at some dynasty sites, and let's be honest, none of these people. No, I'm looking. Redraft. I'm looking at a redraft one. That's that's where I pull my stuff from. It's just a redraft. Of the so, if Goff's there, I would take him. Of the guys you listed, boy, I, I'm not trying to get Wentz right now. Um, yeah. You know, I would say his ownership percentage probably went from the 90s to the 70s because of what we've seen. I've seen some people set him free. Baker, I don't know. I mean, if you had to, if I, I, I kind of think week, I'd go with Foles. I kind of think sneaky game from Baker this week. I'm not expecting it every week, but I do think they want to do that that ground and pound offense, and I love it. It worked well for them this past week. I don't think they're going to be able to do that this week against Dallas. I think Baker's going to have to throw the ball a little bit. We've seen Dallas can be beat on the back end. I kind of think this, I'm not saying start Baker every single week, but I kind of feel like this is shaping up to be a good Baker week. So take that what you will, I guess. Well, that's kind of why I liked Foles. They have the Colts coming in. That's not really a team that scares me. We saw Minshew have a pretty uh, excellent day. If you're not the Jets, um, you know, you could potentially be able to get something over on them. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what Brett Ripon can do. I in no way think that you should be going to pick him up. <laughs> I would say that's the shortest of short-term solutions. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought Carr was going to do well last week and really didn't. They're still beat up in the in the receiver core, and I just I I can't buy into Teddy. It's I guess it depends your level of desperation of that list. I would say. You have a good point about Baker, and then I, I think Foles is going to want to show something stepping into the starting role. So, yeah, for me it would be, it would be Baker and Foles. I mean, obviously Carr or not Carr, uh, Goff. If he is available, it said he's got sixty four percent. So if you can, if you're lucky enough that he's sitting on your waiver wire, I would definitely grab him. Uh, he's a guy that we all expect to continue to put up good numbers. At the running back position, there is not a lot here. Uh, the biggest name one that I saw was Chase Edmonds, who's still only rostered in 37%. Obviously, he's kind of affected the same way that Drake is and the fact that Murray runs the ball as much as he does. But if Drake goes down, I think Edmonds really, his value really shoots up. Not a guy you maybe can use every single week. 
Outside of that, the top guys are Jalen Richard, who is sitting at 2% ownership. LaMichael Pirine, 6%. God, I keep saying ownership. I shouldn't say that. Rostered. Rostered sounds better. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, 4% rostered. Brian Hill, who had the big game last week, 3% rostered. So I looked at Hill's numbers. So he had the first two weeks, he had three carries for like 11 yards, three carries for 14, and then he had five for 58, 49 of which was a touchdown. I'm not, I'm not buying into that. Um, Edmonds, so far he's averaging 7.7 points uh, through his three games. He has about 23 total PPR points. Depends on how deep a league you are, how desperate you are as flex. He has some boom potential, but I think he has some bust potential. Geo actually might be the most interesting because it feels like they've started to mix him in more the last two weeks. He actually had the same amount of points as yeah. Geo Mixon last week. He seems to be getting back involved in the passing game. Um, he's probably the one I would take a shot on of that group. Uh, I feel like Hill is the one people are going to gravitate to, and I'm not sold that you know that could very well end up being like what we saw with Hines, where he had 20 something points week one and 1.4 points week two. Only I think Hines has a more definitive role. Yeah, so for me, I'm going Bernard first, just like you talked about. He seems to be getting worked into this offense. He he seems to have some sort of third down role. We saw it a lot in the Cleveland game as well. They really kind of brought him in there being behind in that one. Uh, I think if you're forced into some kind of emergency situation, Bernard can at least put points on the board for you. Yeah, he's not going to get you a zero. After that, I think the only two that I would really focus on would be Edmonds and P. Ryan. Edmonds, I mean... He has some value. We saw, I believe it was week one and even week two, he put up some points. I don't think he did much last week, but uh, they, he did something for you. But again, I think that's his his value is closely tied to Kenyon Drake. As long as Kenyon Drake's playing, he's not going to have a whole lot of value. Two seconds. Oh, I had to sneeze. Sorry. Anyways, last P. Ryan. I talked about him last week. With as bad as Frank Gore looked, I know they were using Kalen Balaj, and I know that the New York Jets are a complete and absolute dumpster fire. So I'm not telling you that P. Ryan is going to save your season. But McDonald, was, is it McDonald, right? Is that how you say his last name? McDougald? McDougal. Yeah. McDougal. Okay, one of those things. Uh, Make something. The Jets GM. And Adam Gase wanted P. Ryan. They took him, I believe it was a fourth-round pick, fourth or fifth-round pick, They wanted to bring him into this offense. He's a guy that I think sooner rather than later is going to get some kind of run with Uh, the offense. The Jets GM is uh, Joe Douglas. I don't know where McDougal Doug. Well, I was close when I said Mick Douglas. I just wanted to give him sound, make him sound a little bit cooler with Mick Douglas. Joe Douglas. I have a McDougal on their roster. I'm going to look, but it did sound familiar. Yeah. So they wanted P. Ryan again. As like a last shot, if you can, grab him. I still don't think anybody's going to pick him up unless he goes off on the Broncos this week, which I'm not expecting. But he's a guy that I think could have some value later in the year because I just don't expect Frank Gore. I mean, he didn't look great Sunday to begin with. I just I can't imagine they're going to keep using him and Belage. Well, and Bell is eligible to come back off IR after this week. Uh, so that's Let's something. See. To watch out for. Let's see. Well, big. Reports out of New York are if the Jets don't win on Thursday night, like Gase is gone. 
I mean, I'm not mad about it. And Le'Veon Bell comes off the IR. How do you know player usage rotation, anything is the same? It's going to be interesting to see who becomes the interim head coach then and who the offensive play call is not going to bring somebody in. So my guess would be Greg Williams. I mean, he did it two years ago for the Browns. Why not have him come in and see if he can capture some of that same magic Browns went on a nice little. Greg Williams probably would end up being the head coach. Well, there's the other real question, you know, if I'm a Jets fan looking at potentially getting a number one pick, do I want to cut Adam Gase loose after? No, it's because Greg Williams actually got that. Browns team. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They went on a nice little run, winning streak. No, I, we talked about this yesterday. If I'm the Jets, I want them to suck. I'm trading Sam Darnold for a bag of peanuts if I can in the offseason, taking Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick because he's going to be good. I or at least I guess I can't say he's going to be good. I think he's going to be very, very good. On the wide receiver side, there's actually some interesting names on here. So T. Higgins is rostered in 6% of leagues. Scotty Miller is still only 16%, which is just confusing to me. Zach Pascal, 4%. Greg Ward, 1%. Isaiah Ford, 1%. And Dontrell Inman, 0%. How would you rank those wide receivers? Greg Ward, 1%. Um, because I think, you know, he started to develop a connection at the end of last year, um, and he ended up a little buried on the depth chart. But with all the injuries, we've seen him again kind of step up, and now they obviously have uh, Dallas Goddard went on IR. So did you see that they took your boy, Hakeem Butler, but they called him a tight end? That's all right. Hey, he's just a wide receiver playing the tight end position, baby. That's perfect. Perfect for that offense. Might make sense why he didn't work out in Arizona. They have no use for a tight end. Yeah, exactly. Um, then I would probably take Higgins because I think that's got the best long-term value. And then Pascal because with Campbell gone and now Pittman gone, we've seen Pascal step up and get work. We've seen him actually have good games even with some of those guys here. I actually – it's a sad commentary on T.Y. Hilton or maybe a sad commentary on Philip Rivers. I think Pascal might be a better receiver option than Hilton right now. Um, then I would probably go with Miller. Um, he's involved. It's going to be hit or miss. He's definitely not the biggest weapon in there. Um, it does, does look like they actually are actively trying to get the tight ends going. They threw a lot at Gronk and Howard last week. I think that could hurt a guy like Miller. And then – Ford and Inman, it really just depends on your needs. I Washington is such a low-volume passing offense, and Inman's a little banged up. I don't know how good I feel about a number two receiver there. Miami, just about the time you feel like you want to start Ford, somebody else is going to, as, as we've seen, I don't. I think eventually they're going to remember that Preston Williams and Mike Gusecki play for them. I hope so, because I have Mike Gusecki in a couple of leagues hoping that he goes off. Yeah, for me, it's it's the, pretty much the same. I think Ward, just because we've seen the injuries, it doesn't look like. Obviously, Jalen Rager's out for a while. With Goddard going down, If they, all they have is Ward and Ertz at the moment. And, and you know, the one thing you, I guess you can say for Ward is that he catches the ball. So that, that matters. Uh, Wentz needs someone to throw the ball to, so he's going to get you. I'm not expecting him to be a wide receiver one or two, but maybe a high-end three every single week. 
at this point, that might be someone you need on your team with the injuries and everything going on. Higgins would be two for me. Uh, I do think with as bad as AJ Green has looked now three weeks in a row. I mean, again, he we, we talked about that first week. He could have had a much better day if he doesn't get that P.I. called against him. Didn't look good against the Browns. Didn't look good again uh, Sunday. I think it really is becoming the Tyler Boyd T. Higgins show there. Uh, Higgins has now three touchdowns on the year, so he's getting targeted a lot in the red zone. Obviously, mine and Dennis's guy, Auden Tate, just <sighs> disappeared, unfortunately. I was really hoping to see something out of him. And he was actually yeah, I know. But that was just because they decided to deactivate John Ross. So, or, you know, it's it, – until I see him getting some run out there, like I'm not dropping him in any dynasty leagues. I still think Auden Tate has talent, but at this point, it seems like it's going to be Boyd and Higgins. So Higgins is the other guy, uh, mostly because I want to be attached to. If, if I'm being honest, I think I'd actually probably go Higgins just because I want to be more attached to that Bengals offense. As weird as that is to say, than the Philly offense. Uh, as for the after that, it's Scotty Miller, and then the rest. I'm going to be honest; I don't really care about. Like, I, I'm not. Yeah, Pascal's going to have a game or two here. Good luck figuring out which week that's going to be and making sure he's in your lineup, unless you're forced to, and then he goes off, which is good for you. Uh, tight ends, really not much to pick from. Jordan Aiken still available in six percent of leagues. Duh, Mo Alley Cox in ten percent. Chris Herndon, I'm sorry, is rostered in ten percent. Chris Herndon rostered in thirty two and. Robert Tanyan rostered in one. Any of these guys interest you? If I need to tight end, Mo Ali Cox, I'm going for. I think he should be owned, uh, should be rostered. Um, just because I mean Doyle played last week. I, I yeah. thought when Doyle came back, that was gonna be the end. It looks like we we thought a tight end would have some success with Rivers, and that seems to be bearing out. Cox appears to be the one that's doing it. Robert Tanyan, the way that they used him, I actually am kind of interested in him. We Green Bay's receivers are a work in progress, but it looks yeah. like they are using tight ends, and Tanyan seemed to have a nice connection. There's a reason that he obviously, let, you know, we thought it was going to be Sternberger. I'm a I'm somebody I know you probably have him in a couple of weeks where I was holding Sternberger had some some hopes. He doesn't appear to be that guy right now, um, so that interests me. Herndon, I would expect his his roster percent is going to keep sliding. Just doesn't look like they're getting him involved. There was some hope yeah. he was going to go back to kind of that rookie season flourish of a finish, but they have literally no receivers, and we're still not seeing anything. He can't seem to get any play above Braxton Berrios. So yeah, for me it's it's probably Mo Alley Cox, Aikens. I mean, I like Aikens and he's had a couple good plays, but it just seems like Houston, same thing. They're they're not really getting the tight ends involved. Herndon is the guy I'm picking up next wave of run after Adam Gates gets fired Thursday because then I think he's going to shoot up up the board and produce a lot. But as of right now in this Adam Gase offense, I I don't want anybody, I guess, except for Braxton Berrios, you know, because he's been wonderful. Uh, but yeah, and Tanyan, I think How I need to Braxton Berrios this week in deference to our friend Dennis. Uh, you know, again, I should have started him last. I ended up winning my matchup anyways by six points, but had I started him over Devontae Adams, I wouldn't have been sweating it out as much. So I, you know. So what you're saying is wide receiver two then. Wide receiver two. What? Who? What? Braxton Berrios. Wide receiver two. 
No, no, Monday no. Adams. No, 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 no. I already have one person I've committed to being wide receiver to every week, and I can't remember who that is. I'll have to go back and rewatch yesterday's podcast. Alan, no, it was Alan Lazard. That's right. Alan Lazard, every single week, wide receiver, wide receiver two for me moving forward. He'll always be at least at 24. Yeah, but uh, Robert Tanyan, he is interesting to me. We've we've always wanted to make the Packers tight end a thing. Like, we always want to figure out who that guy's going to be. Jimmy it Graham actually was second on the team in targets last year among yeah. all receivers behind, uh, you know, behind Adams. Adams. Yeah. So maybe this offensive scheme has changed a little bit. I mean, you are seeing I, – I did notice – Packers were in a lot more 12 personnel than you're used to seeing with two yeah. per, two tight ends out there. So that's that was one of the reasons I like Sternberger potentially. If he got that starting role, Jimmy Graham got quite a few targets, even if he came off that a little bit. That could be still valuable as a tight end. It doesn't appear that he's going to be that guy, but Robert Tanyan trending that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for me, what I was going to say on Tanyan is I want to give it one more week because I'm not sold – that he'll get quite as much targets once Adams comes back. Because I do think part of the reason Graham maybe got some of the work he did last year was because we hadn't seen Lazard or NVS step up the way it seems like they have this year. So I kind of feel like they may tight end might end up moving toward like that fourth option in this offense or third option, depending on, you know, when they're running the 12 personnel, how many, if they've got, you know, who they have out there on the field. But uh, I, I'm interested in him. I would think Tanyan is a guy you could probably wait one more week to grab. But if you need to tie in help that badly, I would not mind grabbing him. Because if he's going to be the guy, it doesn't look like it's going to be Starnberger as much as we want it to, at least this year. Uh, so Tanya's going to be, to be the guy. Yeah, that's for damn sure. All right, I think that's it. I mean, obviously, the the last big news Matt mentioned a little bit ago, my guy, Hakeem Butler, has finally made his way back onto an NFL roster. Cannot wait. Uh, he did get uh, picked up by the, the Philadelphia Eagles off the Panthers practice squad. They are moving him to tight end. I'm still excited about it. There were a lot of people who talked about that when he came out of college, that he needed to be moved to tight end. Uh, you know, I still think that's kind of the perfect place for him to go. They don't always ask their tight ends to do a lot of blocking. They use them in a very offensive kind of way. And Hakeem Butler's a, he's he's the magic man, man. The way he catches that ball sometimes. So I'm um, I doubt he gets any play this week, but my love for for Hakeem Butler has just soared back up. I might actually have to become a Philly fan now. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But Nothing. keeping my options open. Nothing is more 2020 than the Eagles with fundamentally no receivers signing a top wide receiving prospect from the class of 2019. Yeah, I know. I know. It sounds so bad, but I can't, I can't help but be happy because I just love Hakeem Butler and I want him, I want to be proven right on him. And I wish it's going to, it's going to be Greg Ward, uh, JJR Sega Whiteside. He He can save that team though. Trust me. I saw what he did at Iowa State. You guys aren't quite that bad yet. Just give him a shot. He's not going to do anything this week. But by week six, wait, are we in week four or week five? I yeah, can't we're in week four. We're in week four. Okay, so we're in week four. He's not going to play probably much in week four. But by the time week five comes, just watch. He's going to get two touchdowns. One of them is going to be some amazing catch, and you're going to be like, how the hell did the Arizona Cardinals let this guy go? And I'm going to be like, you're welcome. You're welcome. Because I was right. Uh, you know, Wentz is not having a great year, though, man. 
I was very much in on him as well. And I'm just kidding. I don't think Hurts is the answer. <sighs> Neither do I. Neither do I. I didn't think Hurts is a good quarterback. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do hope Wentz turns it around. It would actually, you know what? I'll tell you this right now. You should be very excited. Wentz is going to turn it around because I believed in him this year. He was a guy I was getting everywhere in my redraft leagues. He got dropped everywhere this weekend by me because I'm not sure he's going to turn it around, which means he's going to fucking turn it around on somebody else's team, and they're going to end up beating me the next couple weeks and causing me to miss out on the playoffs because that's how I feel about my fantasy teams right now. I'm shit again this year. It is horrible, and I hate fantasy football. All right, that's going to do it for us, though, today. Me and Matt will be back on Thursday to preview the Brett Rippon Broncos and the Sam Darnold, Adam Gase, Jets, Kitna better than Hurts today. Ooh, that's John Kitna, he must be the quarterback coach. <laughs> maybe, maybe. They still have 41-year-old Josh McCown, right? Or 42-year-old They do Josh have McCown. Yes, he's on the practice squad. Just he's making him a comeback. Ivan Drago. Ivan Drago making a comeback. He's going to come back and then help lead the Philadelphia Eagles to that division. Doesn't the fact that that happened kind of tell you that even if Wentz was injured, they wouldn't want Hurts as their starting quarterback? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not surprising. He he's He's got work to do. I'll put it that way. It's the supply way of putting it. But we'll be back on Thursday to preview that game. Possibly have Tony back with us. We'll see. I know he's been quite busy, but it'll be fun to get the gang back together. Until then, enjoy the uh, – if you guys are play, uh, baseball fans, enjoy the playoff games the next couple days. Me and me me yeah. Me and Matt will be back on Thursday. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head.